Welcome to The Positioning Show, where we discuss topics related to the practical application of positioning for marketing, sales, and product teams. I'm April Dunford, a consultant, author, and the world's leading expert on positioning for B2B technology companies. Hi, and welcome to another edition of The Positioning Show. It's me, April Dunford. So happy to be back. Hey, I'm launching a new book. Probably no, because I talk about it every episode now, but I'm super excited. October 4th, that's the big day. In fact, by the time that you're listening to this version of the podcast, the book should be available for pre-order. You know, the way Amazon works is a little bit weird. Every country is its own marketplace. And so you might be living in France, for example, and look at Amazon France and say, it's not available for pre-order here. And you know what? Don't talk to me. Talk to Amazon about that. I don't know how it works, but I think you should be able to pre-order the book if you want or don't do it now. Wait until October 4th and do it then. That's perfectly fine too. What I wanted to talk about today is a key part of what I cover in the book. So the book is called Sales Pitch and most folks know me as a positioning expert. And what the book is really about is about taking your positioning and translating it into a story and not just any kind of story, a story that sells. So one of the concepts that I cover in the book that I had a really hard time with, and I wrestled with for a long time, was how we actually start a sales pitch. So I thought this would be a good topic to cover today since it's one of the kind of crunchy things. So the starting point of a sales pitch is really important because this is how we frame the entire conversation. So the way we start out actually matters a lot for where we ultimately end up in a sales conversation. So in my mind, a really effective sales pitch right from the very beginning kind of orients a prospect in the direction of our differentiated value, meaning right from the beginning of the conversation, we're pointing the conversation at what are the unique reasons to actually buy our stuff. Now, this was a hard concept for me to get my head around at the beginning, mainly because the traditional way or the way I most commonly see companies, particularly startups, starting a sales conversation doesn't look like that. So let's cover some of the common ways that people start a sales conversation. The most common one by far that I see is that there is no starting point to the conversation. We simply jump into a product walkthrough with not much of a preamble. There might be a bit of like, hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? Okay, now I'm going to show you the product. Here's how we log in. Here's how we do the next thing. And I think this is a real missed opportunity. So when we do that, what we're doing is we're putting all the onus on the customer. So it's the customer's job to figure out what's differentiating and what isn't differentiating about the features that I'm showing you. And like, let's face it, not all those features are differentiating. Like a lot of these product walkthrough demos literally start with the rep logging in. Like everybody has a login <laughs> that's not differentiating. You don't actually have to show the customer that. But a lot of the times we do. I don't know why we get into this thing, but we do it a lot. So the customer is going to have to figure out what's differentiating and what isn't. The second thing is because these product walkthrough demos tend to be really, really feature oriented rather than value oriented, it's up to the customer to figure out why the features matter. Now, if this is a common feature that all your other competitors have, maybe the customer knows this already or they already understand it, but your best features, the stuff that you have that's really unique and really different, 
we can't just assume that a customer understands why that feature matters. How am I going to use that feature? Ultimately, what is the value to my business that that feature drives? So by jumping into a sales pitch straight into here's the feature, here's the feature, here's the feature, we're missing this opportunity to contextualize what makes us different and better than all the other alternatives. So I think we can do much, much better than that. The second most common way that I see folks, again, particularly startups, do a sales pitch is they'll start with something that I call sales therapy, which is where the rep comes in, hi, how are you doing? How was your weekend? All that. And then they'll be like, so, you know, before we go into the demo, like, I just like to know, like, tell me your problems. <laughs> and so this bugs me a little bit because I think it comes from a place of really misunderstanding what sales discovery is meant to do. So we talked about this in a previous episode, but discovery is really important. Discovery is where we get a better understanding of the customer's situation, what the customer has already tried to do or is trying to do to solve the problem or accomplish the job that they need to get done. We get to probe around a little bit on who else are they looking at and what are the constraints around that and do they have concerns. That isn't the same as getting the customer to tell us what their problem is and 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 maybe even i've seen reps literally go right in and just say like so what are your requirements like what do you need a solution to do but i think this is a really bad way to start a sales pitch for a bunch of reasons so one is and this is particularly true with startups like we got a product and the product does not solve all the problems that a customer has so why am I getting the customer to recite all their problems when really there's a handful of things that my product can do and all the other stuff is just kind of not there and they can talk about it, but we're not actually going to do anything to solve those problems. So, you know, why are we narrowing the scope of this conversation right from the get-go? That's one thing. Second thing is quite often we've already done some kind of qualification before the customer has come to the first meeting. So we know they have the need for the thing that we have already, because we already qualified on that. So asking the customer again and having them to outline, you know, what their problems are again, feels kind of like a waste of time to me. Here's the other thing that drives me crazy about the, you know, sales therapy starting point is quite often what you'll see, like this is a first meeting, right? So we'll come in and we'll be like, tell us all your problems. And the customer will tell us all your problems. And then, and then the rep goes, okay, great. So let me show you my product walkthrough. And they get the same product walkthrough, no matter what they said their problem was. <laughs> so, you know, we're having the customer do all this work, tell me their problems and maybe, you know, what they, you know, all this other stuff. And then, and then what they're getting on the back end of that is, you know, we're just going to kind of switch gears and go to this generic product, product walkthrough. So why did we bother having that preamble in the first place anyway? What we really want to do in discovery is get an idea about the customer's situation, what they understand and they don't understand, what else they've been wrestling with, what are the things they're trying. And in my opinion, we should do that in a deliberate way that is a natural part of the starting of the sales pitch. So I think there's better ways to do that than to just be like, hey, tell me about your problems. The third most common starting point that I see is where, you know, instead of jumping straight into the product walkthrough, we start with this idea of let's have a discussion about the problem. Now, I shouldn't pick on this one too much because I used to do this one myself a lot. So back when I started building sales pitches, when I was a product marketer, or even when I was running marketing, 
I often did that. It was like, all right, we're going to start with a definition of the problem. Here's the problem. And then we would move into, well, we're the solution to that problem. And then let me show you how we do that. The, the problem with starting with the problem is that there is nothing inherently differentiating about the way we define the problem, or at least most of the time, the way we define the problem is not differentiating. So, you know, I spent a long time in the database world selling databases. Then almost every database pitch started with like, data is rapidly exploding. My gosh, the number, the amount of data that we create every year is exponentially rising. No kidding, man. <laughs> like we all know this, customers know this, and all my competitors know this. And this is why you need database technology, man. Like there's nothing differentiating in that. Any of our customers could start their pitch the same way. So if I got a generic problem and then I'm going to show you my generic solution, it doesn't answer the question, why pick me versus the other guy? So I don't think starting with the problem is the best that we can do uh, in terms of starting from a framing that points at what we can only do that none of our competitors can do. Usually the way we define the problem in this, here's the problem and now here's the solution, doesn't actually accomplish that. The last one that I see sometimes, but I don't actually see this one that much, but, it, but sometimes I'll see companies that will attempt to start the sales pitch kind of in the same way that we would start an investor pitch, which is all about the change in the world. Like, you know, there's a trend and, and this trend is resulting in a change in the world. And therefore, you know, you need different solutions because this, this trend is happening. Again, it's a bit like starting with the problem. The way I see people use this is this trend in order for it to kind of work at the beginning of a sales pitch needs to be a trend that our customers are kind of recognizing. And therefore it's a trend that all of our competitors recognize too. So like right now I'm seeing a lot of sales pitches that start with, oh my gosh, AI is changing the landscape and changing what's possible and changing what we can and cannot do and the way we think about stuff. And yeah, sure, man, it does. <laughs> but if you recognize that trend, your competitors recognize that trend. The, the question you got to ask yourself is, could my competitors do the exact same pitch? And often the answer is, yeah, they can. So the, the trend thing doesn't work so much that way. The other thing is that a lot of the companies that I've worked with, the reason their product is distinctly valuable is that they have an innovative approach to getting the job done. And that innovative approach actually doesn't really have anything to do with trends. I mean, I could potentially force a trend on it, but the reality is I don't have to. For example, if I'm Postman, Postman is just a fundamentally better way to build high quality APIs. Help Scout is just a fundamentally better way for a digital first company to do customer support. So it, neither one of those things are actually really reliant on a trend. You know, we could force a trend on there if we wanted to, we don't necessarily have to. And so in my mind, I'm not sure why we would, there's gotta be a better way for us to start a sales conversation that again, it points to something that is unique to us and isn't something that our competitors could just say, oh yeah, you know, us too, AI, you're right. AI is changing everything. Ooh, yeah, changing everything. Like th that's any of your competitors could say that. So where does that leave us? Like, what, like 
where does that leave us in terms of where we actually start the conversation? So this took me a long time to get my head around it. And for the longest time, when people asked me, how should we start? I would just say, well, you kind of start with the problem, only it's not really the problem. It's more kind of like your point of view of the problem. <laughs> and so I had a really hard time figuring out how to teach this concept of how we start a good sales pitch. But here's my attempt at doing that now. We start a good sales pitch with our insight. Our insight is unique to us. So this is the way we uniquely look at the market. And it is the reason that we built our product the way we built it. And our product is differentiated. We do things in a different way than everybody else. So our insight is different than anyone else. If we start there, then that is the start of a conversation that no one of your competitors can have. Only you can tell that story. So we like this right off the bat because right off the bat, in the very first note of the sales meeting, we are framing the conversation in a way that points at the value that only we can deliver. That's the power of being able to start this conversation this way. So like, let me give you a couple examples about this. So you get what I'm talking about with insight. So Postman, uh, a platform for delivering super high quality APIs, their insight into this is look, building high quality APIs is actually really, really important to your business, but building those APIs using distinct separate tools for API development, API testing, API documentation, API distribution results in poor quality APIs. That's the insight. Help Scout's insight is that customer success for a digital only brand is actually really important in terms of driving loyalty and driving growth. But most help desk tools were not designed for that. They were designed for reducing costs and not delivering an excellent experience in customer success. Funnel, their insight is that digital marketing teams live and die by data and they live and die by their ability to analyze data and figure out what's working and isn't working in marketing campaigns. But the way marketing teams currently attempt to gather and analyze and put together data, make it really, really hard for them to truly understand what's going on in a marketing campaign so that they can drive better results. In each of these examples, we start with a declaration of our point of view on a market and what should be important for our target customers to pay attention to and not pay attention to. We are not starting with features. We are not starting with a generic problem statement and we are not necessarily starting with a trend. What we're simply doing is we're declaring like, look, we can all agree that we wanna have X, but the way we're currently attempting to get at X just doesn't cut it. The other thing that I really love about starting with insight is it gives us a very natural way to have a discovery conversation with the client. So we're coming in and we're saying, look, like it, what we really want to accomplish is this, right? And so let's look at all the different alternatives you have to actually get that job done. And so that gives us a really natural place to say, hey, like we're a vendor, we're in this space, we see lots of different ways that people are trying to solve this problem. And here's what we see, you know, they could do it this way. And here's the pluses and minuses of that, or they could do it that way. Here's the pluses and minuses of that. I've got this really natural spot to then have a conversation with the customer and say, 
Does that insight resonate with you? Like, are you attempting to do this in any of the ways that I talked about? Do you agree with the pros and cons that I'm talking about here? Are there things that you're nervous about or things that you're, that you have that are potentially constraints for picking one of these different alternative ways of solving the problem? Like this gives us a really, really nice way to kind of dovetail into that. The other thing that I like about this is it gives us a way to kind of lead the conversation with our expertise. Like I'm demonstrating, look, like I know a lot about this. Like I'm not asking you to come and tell me everything about your business. I'm telling you a little bit too. So I'm coming in and saying, hey, this is what we see. This is what we understand about the market. Now you tell me what you see. Like, does it line up? Like, where are we in agreement here and where are we not? So that's a neat place where we can share information. I'm doing a little bit of teaching here and teaching you about the way I see the market, what I think is important and what isn't important. And you're teaching me about your particular situation. That's what good discovery is all about. If we start with insight, we've got this really natural place to do that. The other thing, if we start with our market insight, the neat thing is we actually aren't starting about talking about ourselves. We're, we're starting about talking about the market, which is kind of what prospects want from us. Like, I mean, let's face it, like if a prospect didn't need to talk to a sales rep, they would find a way to avoid talking to a sales rep. They're coming to us for our advice. They're trying to figure out how to make good choices. In order to do that, they, they don't need to just understand us. They need to understand where we fit in the mix of everybody else and all the other alternative ways they could solve the problem. So if we're starting with market insight, we're starting with a conversation, not about us, but about the whole market. And this is actually really valuable to clients. If we believe that what prospects are really looking for is guidance and help making good choices, starting with market insight and a conversation about the market gives us this really neat way to tee up a conversation about, hey, this is the way we look at the market. This is what we see. This is what we think the pluses and minuses are, are the different approaches. You tell me, like, is that resonating with you or is that not? I think this is actually a really strong way to start a sales conversation. The last reason I love starting out with this idea of market insight instead of problems or trends or just jumping into features is that it, it allows us to contextualize our differentiated values. So here's what I mean by that. If we jump straight into a demo of our features, or even if we get it a little bit like, Hey, here's the problem, here's the solution. Or if I think about trends, it still puts a lot of onus on the customer to figure out what's valuable and what isn't valuable. If we start with our market insight, that is a conversation about value. Like that is a conversation about what is the job the customer is actually trying to do and how do the different alternatives stack up in terms of delivering that job. So what we're actually doing is we're setting this context. Like why should you care about the value that only we can deliver? Why is that actually important to you as a customer to your business? And starting with the market insight gives us a way to contextualize all that. And like, we don't have to spend all day talking about market insight. And in fact, in a typical sales meeting that I've seen where we use this structure, if I've got 45 minutes, maybe I spend five minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, on this preamble stuff where I'm talking about the market. But what's neat about starting there is then when I switch to talking about 
my stuff, my product, what my product can do, then I can, first of all, organize the way I talk about features under these value pillars that I've already established are really important. So I can say, look, like, you know, where we started at the beginning was talking about, hey, like, you know, if we really want to do X, let's see how all the alternative solutions stack up pluses and minuses at accomplishing X. And can we all agree that, you know, what we really want out of a solution is something that does A, B, C. Then I can switch over and say, let me show you how we do A, B, and C. So value prop A, here it is. Let me show you the features that actually enable that. Value prop B, here it is. Here's the features that enable that. So now what I've got is this whole thing wrapped up in this nice little narrative bow is doing everything I needed to do. It's allowing me this really natural place to do customer discovery. It's setting the whole thing up from the very first note oriented at my differentiated value. The beginning of the conversation is about convincing you, contextualizing that differentiated value. And then the bulk of the conversation, like what we're doing after that seven, eight minutes is proven that I can do what I just convinced you was really important to be able to do. So you put all those things together. And I think what you've got is a really, really strong sales pitch. What's neat about all this from a storytelling perspective is that storytelling arc can be used in lots of things, like not just a sales pitch. It works very well for a sales pitch. It's been designed to be used in a sales pitch, but we can use that arc in a lot of things that we're doing in marketing. So for example, if I were to create a buyer's guide, it follows that same arc. Like what are we really trying to accomplish? Uh, what do we think a perfect solution should do? Here's the things you need to pay attention to. If I was doing a video, instead of doing a product walkthrough video or a product introduction video, that video could follow the same structure. I've seen companies do things with white papers that essentially follow the same structure. So if we get really good at telling this story, we can actually get really good at telling the story in different forms and different mediums. So anyways, that's it. That's all I got for you this week. Hey, thanks for joining. I appreciate you folks. I would love it if you gave me a rating or review. That would be great. And you know what? This book thing is coming up. I have a mailing list. It's on my website, aprildunford.com slash books. If you join the mailing list, you're going to get early access to some neat things that I'm doing for the book. One of those things is a brand new set of templates. So I know you folks have use the templates that I created for Obviously Awesome, my first book about positioning. Sales pitch is also going to come with a set of templates. And because I think positioning and a sales pitch are really tightly tied together, what I'm doing is I'm building a new set of templates that brings both those things together. So what you want to do is really nail your positioning and then translate that positioning into a sales pitch. I'm going to give you a bunch of tools to do that. Subscribe and you'll hear about more about this as we get closer to the book launch date, which is October 4th. Anyways, thanks so much for joining me this week and I'll see you again next week.